The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan and 106.9thefan.com. Happy to have you guys joining us. However and wherever you're doing so, hope you're having a wonderful Thursday on a beautiful day. Uh, a lot to get to today. In fact, a pant load, as we like to call it, to get to in regards to sports. A, a pant load? Yes, a pant load. You ever heard pant load? I don't think I've ever heard that term. A no. pant load. Yep, it is a pant load today. Okay? I just, that has images in my mind that I don't want to have in my mind. Well, that's your problem, not my fault. Uh, Eric Franson is finally back. He returned from his summary vacation of two days, three days actually. <laughs> it was three days. not a vacation. <laughs> it's a lot of driving. <laughs> uh, yeah. Eric Franson, I'm Audrey Salveson. Thanks for joining us again, however and wherever you're doing. So if you want to participate in the show, you can always text in at 435-339-0321 or call in at 435 752 one zero six nine. Hey, are we still keeping that secret about? Okay, never mind. All right. Uh, Until I get the thumbs up okay. that it's been done. Nope, that's fine. I'll wait. Uh, again, uh, uh, good juicy stuff finally to get to. We got MLB uh, MLB playoff baseball last night today. Cubs were so terrified of the Marlins that they decided they want to postpone today's game and try to recollect themselves mentally after that butt kicking they got to get to tomorrow. Is that uh, what it was? Yeah, absolutely. My Braves have moved on after 19 years of being defeated in the first round or a wild card game. They finally move on to the next round. Uh, they get the winner of the Cubs tomorrow. So in, in fact, this actually benefits the Braves a lot because they get to rest some guys and rest some arms. That is huge because that 13-inning game took a lot out of the arms that they did use. So this will be good for them. Uh, NBA playoffs, or excuse me, NBA finals, Lakers heat game one is in the books. Of course, the Lakers take care of that one. What does the rest of the series look like, especially, especially without two key guys now out for the heat for game two who will not play? And how long are they out? We'll uh, get to that and more. And then there's Mountain West Conference football. The schedule's been done for a little bit. The question was, when was it going to be released? It's been released today. This afternoon around 2 o'clock Mountain Time, they released the schedule. Uh, there is uh, some key facts in the release of the Mountain West Conference that they put into this uh, schedule. Some new twerks to it, if you will, for this year. Uh, we'll get to those in the 5 o'clock hour, and then we'll also hear from uh, Utah State coaching staff, we hope. I've heard you say pant load and twerks in the first few minutes of the show. Which one disturbs you more, pant load or twerks? Uh, neither one is good. Um, the, the Mountain West releasing their football schedule, and as you said, there are some tweaks to uh, what normally is the the modus operandi for how they decide who what they're going to be in their what football championship game. No, stop. What are you doing? Normally, it's whoever wins the their division are going to go to the championship game, and then whomever has the highest win percentage, or uh, in this case, the highest percentage from the college football playoff, um, whoever ranks higher there in their poll would be the team to host. Um, There's still going to be a team that will host and it will still be a team with a higher percentage, a higher winning percentage, but it's division uh, is not a factor this year. 
Um, in their official release today, the top two teams uh, with the highest conference winning percentage will face off in the championship game. Now, why do they need to make that distinction about the highest conference winning percentage? Well, there's a couple teams that are going to be playing some non-conference games. Air Force is playing this weekend. Air Force will play again in November. They have two non-conference games. The, the release today makes it official. Boise State will play BYU. And there is some strong rumor that San Diego State may play BYU. As San Diego State has an open schedule on December 12th. Also 12th and BYU yeah. doesn't have a game scheduled on December 12th. Yeah, there was some rumor going around that Utah State was going to try and drop one of the uh, home games that they had to play BYU. Made no sense at all, though. I just I don't know how you would have made that fit. Yeah, apparently it's... Now, I don't think it's – they've released a schedule. It is what it is now. So whatever thoughts that they had about doing that apparently did not materialize. So um, the, the schedule's out. You can see it on cashvalleydaily.com. Um, but bottom line here is that it's eight straight weeks, and it's kind of a back and forth and back and forth for Utah State. They open at Boise State. Boy, how's that to get things going? Right out of the gate. Go take on the reigning champs. Uh, then they host San Diego State. Uh, then they travel to Nevada. They host Fresno. They travel to Wyoming. They host New Mexico. And then they get Air Force. So they have New Mexico and Air Force in back-to-back weeks in Logan. And then they finish on the road December 12th at Colorado State. Mid-December in Fort Collins. That's going to be fun. Yeah, can't wait. Uh, all right, so since we've already, uh, since we now announced the schedule of what it's going to look like, uh, let's get into the needies and or the what is it the nitty and gritty of the schedule. I'm speaking Indian today, man. I'm really hey, I'm sorry. It's great. It's, it's great. Yeah, sure is. <laughs> uh, and again, if you want to participate in the show, we'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this schedule, what it's going to look like, what your predictions are. Uh, let's set. Is it too early to set the over under? Should we set an over under on this for the season of wins? Honestly, it's too early for me. I would not participate in this game because I need to know more about what Utah State has. Mm, I, I didn't know today until today that Chase Nelson's out for the year because he had season-ending shoulder surgery in August. But he was <laughs> they released this uh, you know he's on some award watch listing, but oh yeah, he's not going to play this year because he had season-ending shoulder surgery in mid-August. Like, okay, so I, I don't know who else is available. I don't know what the transfers look like yet. So it would be too hard for me to say what the over-under is for Utah State. Uh, just too many unknowns for me right now. Uh, again, at Boise, home against San Diego, uh, at Nevada, home against Fresno. It's just an up and, I mean, it's just a home and away split, really, the, almost the whole entire way. And then at Wyoming on November 21st, and then home against New Mexico and Air Force, which, by the way, being home against Air Force is major. I really wish we'd be playing Air Force on, like, the second week of the season, though. Because <laughs> Air Force in their prime, like when they're finally getting going with rhythm, I mean, second to the last game of the season scares me just a tad bit. I've always had mixed feelings about when to play Air Force. Do you play them early? Uh, so you, I mean, it's part of your packages. You can work on it in your fall camp. So it's fresh on your mind of how to play against them. Or do you play them late with... Maybe the there's some hope that um, that team is is banged up after trying to run through a, a regular schedule, 
with as hard as they play, and they don't usually have the same level of of depth that other teams have um, or size. And so, I, I, but I've been I've gone back and forth on that. I just the bottom line is it's it's always hard to play Air Force. We don't really know what New Mexico is going to look like this year. There's a new coaching staff. Um, otherwise, if it was as it was before, that schedule lines up nicely for Utah State to play Air Force because New Mexico was a similar, kind of a similar style to prepare for. So you'd have back-to-back weeks of a somewhat similar style of, of play. But don't know what we're going to get out of Mexico this year. But when you look at this schedule, Utah State's home games – Teams that will come to Logan, at least are scheduled to come to Logan, barring any strange COVID stuff. Uh, San Diego State, Halloween weekend. Fresno State, November 14th. New Mexico, Thanksgiving weekend. And Air Force, December 5th. The other thing to keep in mind here, according to the release, these dates aren't necessarily set in stone just yet. There you go. That's the kicker. There are games, and they've used the words several games, quote-unquote, that will be moved to Thursday and Friday. We don't know what uh, games will be moved to Thursday and Friday. So in, so let me throw this out. Just because it would be one of those big-time matchups, if Boise State and Utah State would have been playing over Thanksgiving weekend, I imagine they would have been playing on Thanksgiving night. That's a prime. That's a big game for the Mount West Conference to put on a Thanksgiving night. I would think that they would have probably moved that one to Thursday. Yeah, maybe. I mean, CBS Sports, Fox Sports, they're going to look at what's available to them. Uh, the secondary TV rights holders will then look at other opportunities after that. And that's another thing you brought up on Twitter. You actually, and this is a really good point you brought up when you tweeted this out, that the, the big teams will get their picks first of what they want to do and or, you know, of which teams are going to go where, Texas or Ohio State, you know, with Fox and whatever. And then will come probably these other teams, Boise State, Utah State, uh, San Diego State, and how they'll match up. The key was is that with Fox and, and CBS, there would be more daytime games. That was the hope. Uh, whether that still happens or not with the way this whole conference schedule thing with everybody else being involved now, it's, I don't know what exactly is going to happen. We don't know. We don't have a time zone games on any of these games as of right now. Let's see. Did the Pac-12, did they release their schedule? Nope, they have not. Because Fox is going to be very interested in that. That's true. But again, and those are West Coast games, so maybe they take those West Coast games and play them later in the night. Okay, so the report is that the Pac-12 will announce their schedule on Saturday, and they'll do so in conjunction with TV partners ESPN and Fox. I was going to say, why they wait until Saturday, but that would explain everything right there. Yeah, Big Ten did that during the... The, the Fox Big Noon kickoff program. Um, so expect the Pac-12 scheduled to be released this weekend. I am pretty sure Fox and their media partners uh, will have probably first dibs on what, what what games that they want, and then the Mountain West will, will come after that in the pecking order. And then once Fox and CBS have their picks, then you get to other options, you know, um, CBS Sports Network and AT&T Sportsnet and things like that uh, were possibilities where these games could happen. Um, and then, you know, the, with uh, some of these other non-conference games happening, those could be on other networks too. So yep. uh, the, the dates could change. We don't know the kick times. 
uh, let's just hope the later in the season it goes, the earlier in the afternoon Amen. those games are. Amen. Who's so going to want to go to an 8 p.m. game in the middle of December Yeah, in, Lo- in Logan, Utah? Yeah, it's going to be brutal. Uh, so, again, Utah State will open their season uh, at Boise State. Like you said, what a way to open up the season. The Aggies head over to Boise to play the uh, Blue Turf Broncos. That, by the way, is the 15th oldest rivalry for Utah State. There's been 24 previous meetings. And then they'll head to, or uh, then they'll host San Diego State on October 31st on Halloween night. That'll be the 14th meeting between the two programs. Uh, the month of November will begin with a road game at Nevada. Uh, that'll be the 26th time those teams have met. 14th most played in rival school history. Uh, then come back for Fresno State. 32nd time they've met. Go to Wyoming. Uh, that will be the 71st meeting, which, by the way, is the fourth oldest rivalry for the Aggies. Uh, and they'll end November and begin December with back-to-back home games. New Mexico and Air Force, 13th uh, meeting, or I guess the 13th oldest rivalry. There's 26 meetings before that with the uh, Lobos and then uh, the Falcons right after that. Uh, Colorado State will conclude the season December 12th. As of right now, that's December 12th. Uh, with 76 times they have met so far, and I honestly, that's a game out of worry just a little bit. If you're in contention for that Mountain West Conference Championship bid, for some reason that Colorado State game scares me. Just and especially if it's at Colorado State. So Utah State plays eight games. Four of those are against new head coaches. Yeah. Well, teams with new head coaches, head coaches. I should say. Um, there has been some question about fans, fan attendance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Utah State, in their release about the schedule today, saying that ticket information will be announced soon. Limited number of fans will be allowed inside based on safety guidelines. So we don't know what that is yet. Um, We've seen that there were some fans that were allegedly going to be allowed at BYU, and then that got kiboshed because people down there act like they don't care, and then they get spikes and corona um but we don't know what that what those levels are going to look like here in logan um where these games will take place these four games so i I think that the first thing is to determine you know what when will these games happen with the tv partners involved they'll decide days and times uh whether it's on a saturday or even on a thursday or a friday uh and then yeah, you know, so we're going to be getting some more information about that soon. Now that it's all it's out there, they can start to have these discussions and uh, what those parameters might look like for fans. But it looks like they're going to try to uh, allow fans in the stands, but it'll be a limited number. But to have some fan representation there, yeah, and that's and you know what, that's what I think people want to ask for It's just some kind of represent representation, like you said. You we understand we can't have a full nineteen and a half thousand, and I got to be quite honest with you. If there's an eight or o'clock game, twenty-five, at whatever. I mean, but just like if there's an eight o'clock game at night against New Mexico, you're not. I don't know if you get nineteen thousand there. No, no. So I mean, and I say that with all due respect. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but we'll get into more uh, Mount West Conference and Utah State football discussion in the second hour. Um, yeah, we are expecting. We don't know exactly when or who <laughs> or who, but we are expecting to have an interview with. A defensive coordinator from Utah State University. There's two of them. We've requested to speak to one of them, one of the two, but it depends on how practice ends and who's available first. So he's in the better mood is what we're actually looking <laughs> yeah, that for. That could be so. part of it too. Uh, Utah State preparing for a scrimmage tomorrow. They've had a week of practices. 
So uh, we'll, we'll get a defensive coordinator on with us, most likely early part of next hour. So stay tuned for that. Be F- fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, Eric, let's talk some MLB playoff baseball. It's been some good games so far going on today, including this one. Bases loaded, two for 35. Not anymore. Into left field, past the dive of Anderson. One run in. The throw is not there. Grandal thought he got the tag on. A two-run hit. The A's go ahead, six to four. Bases loaded. That's Pruder with a two-run single, and now 6-4. The White Sox were up 4 nothing and absolutely cruising in this game. In fact, Oakland had to remove their pitcher just after uh, two and a third inning. White Sox had went through six pitchers through the first five innings of baseball. Six Ooh. pitchers. This uh, series is right now tied at one apiece. Uh, again, the Athletics lead in the top of the seventh, 6-4. to four, No outs, and uh, White Sox were just coming up to bat. Uh, again, that series is tied at one. And then other games going on. Atlanta over Cincinnati. They take care of that one. Holding the Reds scoreless for 22 straight innings. 5 nil is your final. And Atlanta moves on to the divisional, or excuse me, to the, it's not the is it the divisional series, right? Or is, that was the wild card we placed, played, right? Yeah, we just got, yeah, we just got done with the wild card. So confusing now. So we move on to the NLDS for the first time in 19 years. That's right, since 2001, the Braves had not moved on. They finally do so with a brilliant pitching performance in the last 22 innings of baseball. Again, holding the Reds scoreless, 5 nothing is your final. Later on tonight, 5 o'clock, uh, you got the Cardinals and the Padres. Cardinals up one game over the Padres, looking to close out that one. And, of course, the Dodgers. Boy, Dodgers looked good last night against Milwaukee. That game's at 8 o'clock on ESPN. Dodgers are, and it just, I don't know why it always surprises me. But the Dodgers are so deep. It's incredible. Like, I mean, they I mean Bueller's through yesterday, man. And he went like what was it? Like four or five innings strong, honestly. And uh it and they still haven't used Kershaw. They still haven't used half their I mean, they still have a full bullpen practically to use. And yeah, the lineup if you can is get a guy to, to uh you don't have to have them go the distance, but if he can give you Six, seven strong innings. That's going to make a huge difference. Games, uh, go ahead. Just quickly, the the uh, you talking about the, the Oakland A's and the White Sox. White Sox jumped out early uh, through three innings, up three nothing. It looked yeah. like they're in control. They're going to take care of this. Uh, and then Oakland in the fourth. Did you see this? Four runs in the fourth. Uh, they now lead that uh, lead the game six to four. They're in the in the seventh. Uh, this, that's a fa- like I said before. This is going to be a fascinating series between Oakland and the in the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, again, White Sox were up three nothing, and then the uh, Oakland scored four, and then the White Sox tied it again. Uh, and now again, the A's have taken a lead on a two run single, and they lead it six to four in the seventh inning. Uh, Eric, I know you don't want to talk about this, but we're going to have to talk about it, whether you want to or not. Your Cubs last night were phenomenal. Oh, come on. Really, really good. 5-1 is the final. Marlins over the Cubs. Just what we all expected. The It was, a, it was a Cubs up one nothing until the seventh inning, Eric. It was the seventh inning where it really did them in. And uh, the Cubs, sorry, not the Cubs, I mean the Marlins scored five runs in the seventh inning, and that's all they needed. Score five in the seventh, and they win it 5-1. Yeah, Kyle Hendricks uh, was pitching really well. I mean, he looked good on the mound, and uh, he was doing a nice job. Uh, he had pretty good control, was keeping 
uh, Marlins at bay, keeping him away uh, from uh, you know coming around. Um, he had some good defense to help him, and then it was just a collapse. Uh, just a couple bad pitches, and the Marlins took advantage of it. So, ah, frustrating. <laughs> In fact, Hendricks went into the seventh, and he, like you said, he was cruising. And then uh, Dickerson had a uh, 380-foot, uh, honestly, it was a frozen rope, too, uh, to left field, and that, uh, that scored three. And then Aguilar had a uh, home run as well. That was a two-run shot, 350 feet to right field, and that's all she wrote. 5-1 to final. Good to see the Cubs struggle again. Oh, oh yeah, man, it makes me feel great. Uh, this, the, the Cubs have some great bats, but they've been they've been cold. Uh, they they kind of limped into the postseason. Bryant has been hurt. Um, yeah, there's I don't know. I I worry about about the Cubs. I thought they should they should have been. This should not be a series, <laughs> but they have not been playing their best baseball when it matters most. So it is a series. Yeah, Alcantara pitched three hit ball into the seventh, and uh, this I mean it's 2003 all over again. Marlins back in Wrigley Field for the first time since 03 in that classic NL. CS series where they won it in seven, and here they are again. In fact, the Cubs have not beaten the Marlins in the playoffs at Wrigley Field <laughs> uh, since game two of the NLCS in 2003. Think about that for a moment. Uh, let's not. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, other games uh, again yesterday. Uh, by the way, how about that Yankees-Indians game? What a classic that was. Wow, and back that, and forth. So that game was supposed to start at 5 p.m. Mountain Time. Gets delayed because of really bad weather. Then a rainstorm. They played anyways. They probably shouldn't have started when they did. But uh, Well, the way Cleveland jumped out early, you thought, oh, wow, this Cleveland team's going to they come to play. Uh, and then... Uh, New York has a great, uh, was it fourth inning? Yep. Uh, then it was just back and forth and back and forth. Um, great, great matchup between those two teams. Ultimately, New York came out on top, but that was a fun baseball game. Four hours and 50 minutes, even that. And Eric, the four hours and 50 minutes was without the two rain delays that were another 76 minutes in total. <laughs> okay. And I mean, it was just, it was oh, absolutely a gosh. long, long, long night. Uh, the fun, the game ended at about 11, well, just a little bit after 11 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 1 a.m. in New York, or I guess in Cleveland for that matter. Uh, but uh, now it sets up for a Yankees-Rays matchup, which has been delicious in the AL East. Uh, Rays are the top team. The Yankees, I would say, are the hottest hitting team right now uh, from what they've been going through. This is going to be a good series. But uh, how about these home teams struggling to win series right now and these road teams taking advantage of it? Well, honestly, we've talked about this before. I think that's the story of 2020. No fans in the stands. Does home field really mean anything? And uh, we've seen it in the NFL. Uh, we're seeing it now in the playoffs for Major League Baseball. That home field advantage doesn't really seem to exist because uh, there's no fans. There's no uh, cheers, you know, they don't get after you. There's no momentum that, uh, you know, those fringe guys feed off of. So, you know, when you're the road team, you already come into the arena, you like with a chip on your shoulder, you've got to play a little bit harder because you're going up against the home guys, you know, the home situation, the Homer, um, crowd. But, um, 
the the home teams, um, yeah, kind of struggling a little bit. And now it, it's early in the playoffs. Granted, it's only in the wild card where it's going to be the same thing. And after that, everybody goes to these neutral sites. So it's just who's playing the best baseball. Yeah, after that, the uh, NL will head to Arlington, Texas, where they'll, uh, in fact, allow fans. There are just a little over 11,000 fans will be allowed. Uh, some will be sitting in suites, while the rest of the 10,500 will be sitting dispersed into the stands. So it'll be nice to have fans there at the game. Uh, American League, they go to San Diego. Where go to San go? Diego. Go to San Diego. And they have not announced any sort of fan base yet. Uh, with the way things are going on in California, I would be surprised, to be very honest with you. Well, they're in San Diego and Los Angeles, aren't they? Oh, is it two sides? Because I know for the NL, it's just one side. I guess that's for the NLCS. You mean for the... Uh, Well, double-check that. We'll find that out. But anyways, Yankees again. uh, They close out their series, and they win last night. Dodgers play tonight. They look to close out versus Milwaukee. Dodgers uh, last night were... Really good. 4-2. Their pitching was phenomenal. Uh, as Bueller, excuse me, Bueller doesn't even get the win. Uh, Urias does in three innings. No one runs, five Ks, and no walks. Bueller on the mound. Where is he? There he is. Four innings, three hits, two runs, both earned, two walks, eight Ks, and he gave up a home run. Through 73 pitches and 51 strikes. So, yeah, the American League Division Series, a best of five series, will be in San Diego. And Los Angeles. So Tampa versus New York will be in San Diego. White Sox, whoever wins the White Sox and uh, Oakland A's series will face the Houston Astros in Los Angeles. The National League's division series will be at Arlington, Texas and at Houston. So Dodgers Brewers winner will face the Padres Cardinals winner in Arlington. And the Braves will face whoever wins between the Cubs and the Marlins in Houston. And then the AL Championship Series will be in San Diego, and the National League Championship Series will be in Arlington, and then the World Series will be in Arlington. I really wish the Yankees were playing the Astros in the next round. I would do anything for that to happen. The ALDS featuring Houston and the Yankees, or yeah, Houston and the Yankees. Just the bad blood they have between the two teams because it is real and it is there uh, would have been really nice to have. But we'll take a Rays-Yankees-AL-East matchup, I guess. But there's no bad blood between like the White Sox, the A's, and the Astros. There's none. No. That sucks. Yeah. I can Maybe Houston will get there. They got a big chip on their shoulder. It's us against the world. Yeah, they, they act like they have a big chip on their shoulder. There's a reason why you're hated. It's because you cheated. Uh, yeah, they don't care. <laughs> they don't care. They're, they just want to go out and stick it in your eye. We're still good. We're still playing baseball. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Put the wire in their jersey and stick it in your eye. That's what they want to do. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Coming back, we'll get to some NBA playoff basketball. Game one of the NBA finals has been completed. Lakers win game one. How did it look and how bad a shape are the Miami Heater in? The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan. Derek France and Andre Salveson. 
Full Court Press on 106.9 The Fan. Lakers and Heat in the NBA Finals got it on last night. Game one, and the Lakers cruise and absolutely cruise to an M, uh, excuse me to a game one win. Uh, Anthony Davis was phenomenal. He had 34. Uh, James had 25, 13, and nine in the near triple double again. But the bigger story right now is what the Heat have been left with. Goran Dragic has been uh, uh, diagnosed with a torn plantar. Uh, was it fascia? Fascia. Plantar fascia. Yeah, thanks. Uh, in the left foot, he is questionable for the rest of the finals. They are semi or somewhat optimistic to have him back by game five, but the way this is going, there may not even be a game five. And also, to add sugar onto the pain, Bam Bam is also, uh, he left the game early in the third quarter with an aggravated left shoulder strain. He is out for game two. So not only game two, they not have their point guard, but they don't have one of the best big men who's been so far, Eric, that in the playoffs, that being Bam Bam. Well, let's not forget Jimmy Butler also rolled his ankle. Yeah. I mean, he stayed in the game. Uh, he wasn't nearly as aggressive or as explosive. Um, but your three of your main guys are, are hurting. Two of them will not be available. Casey, uh, it's. I mean, I think Bam Adebayo is probably a bigger loss than Goran Dragic. But Goran Dragic is huge for Miami to set guys up. He's a scoring threat. Uh, he can penetrate um, and, and create. Uh, I think that he's a, he's a better player than Rajon Rondo is for L.A. So having him out really hurts. Bam Adebayo is your, your defensive guy in the middle. Uh, the guy that could def- uh, defend LeBron or Anthony Davis, he's out. Uh, what really was interesting is how the game started and then how the Lakers said, all right, we're going to dial this in. You guys cannot contend with Anthony Davis. He uh, he was unbelievable in that first half once he got rolling. Um, credit LeBron James for get- finding him and getting him open getting him confidence, but um, they just could not contend with Anthony Davis. KCP finishes with 13, Danny Green 11, Alex Crusoe 10 for the Lakers. We haven't been in the finals since 2010, but not only that, check this out, Eric. LeBron James' teams have been 1-8 in Game 1 of the past finals with losses in each of their last seven openers. So finally, he gets a, a breezy Game 1. Again, final score, 116-98. Uh, game two set for October 2nd, uh, which would be tomorrow. It's crazy. It's already October. Uh, October tomorrow. October 2nd tomorrow on ABC. Uh, Jimmy had 23. Kendrick Nunn had 18. And Tyler Hero had 14. Jay Crowder 12. You know, it's interesting watching Tyler Hero on the court. It was almost that they made a goal. Now, look, Jimmy Butler is going to get his. Do not let Tyler Hero run and hide and create spots of open lanes where you just don't see him on the arc, and they didn't. I think Danny Green did a great job, Rajar Rondo, KCP. Um, I just thought their whole entire perimeter did a good job of spying Tyler the whole entire time. He got loose on a couple of plays. One of them was in transition. The other one was an uh, inbounds play, which uh, then Frank Vogel just lost his mind on, I believe, Danny Green, because Danny Green just absolutely fell asleep, and Hero got a right-corner three-pointer. But after that, he was pretty much held in check the rest of the way. It was really great. We're going to talk about the offense, sure, but I think that defense for the Lakers churned in, t- 
turned up a lot of notches, and and he just didn't have any way to respond. Yeah, it really seemed to be the most aggressive defensive performance by the Lakers that I've I think I've seen in this postseason. Uh, everybody was dialed in. Everybody was aggressive, chasing after everything, taking away space, denying easy looks, cutting off passing lanes. Um, I, I really thought that was probably the most aggressive LA has been. Um, the other thing too is they were just beasts on the boards. Yep, I mean, the, the rebounding disparity was so big. We knew it was going to be in LA's favor, but I wouldn't have guessed it would have been such a disparity. 54 rebounds for LA, only 36 for Miami. Yeah, they also made uh, 15 three-pointers. In fact, they're 21-3 this season when they make 14-plus threes. They were great from the arc. Ball movement was phenomenal uh, for the Lakers. And uh, like you said, Miami really, I mean, they were there for the first six minutes. They scored on six consecutive possessions. Uh, they had a 13-0 run. They were up by 13 through the opening period, and then all of a sudden uh, just went backwards. I mean, honestly, a 180, like you said, L.A. turned everything up, and uh, it was what? I mean, when what was their score the rest of the half? I'm trying to look here. 55-25. After that 23-10 lead, the Lakers went on a 19 to 3 run, including that three. Yes, yeah, no, no, 22 to 3 run. Excuse me, including that three ball near the near the buzzer from Kyle Kuzma. It was 55 25 after the first half after that 23 10 lead. That's what the Lakers' offense did. That's incredible. Yeah, that that the way they dialed it up, uh, and then they just kept pouring it on. Um, give them give them credit. Um, you know. It looked like Miami was a team that's been through the ringer. Uh, they were the ones that came through a, a more challenging series. Um, and uh, and then you got key guys getting hurt. That's uh, That never helps. So you know, they were trying to figure that out. Who's going to do the ball movement? How are we going to get somebody down low that can, can guard Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard? I mean, they just don't have those kinds of guys. It was a it was a nineteen three run by the way I apologize because Harrod banked in that three from a, a weird angle but and, I mean nonetheless it was I mean and then actually in total it was a twenty four five run for the Lakers going into the break where they had built a seventeen point lead like when they I mean again when they just want to flip the switch they can do that especially LeBron James and almost like LeBron was biding his time figuring it out filling out the game filling out the team and then it was like okay we're good I got it now. And then all of a sudden, he, he has a near triple-double. It's just it's automatic for LeBron James. Uh, a couple questions I talked to AJ about yesterday. I want to get your opinion too, Eric. Um, one, let's start with LeBron James. Three and six in NBA Finals right now. This one's been a bit different just based on what everything that's happened. Uh, they played uh, you know, Damian in the, in the Blazers, uh, took care of them. Harden and the Rockets took care of them. But, uh, you know, house out went partying and things were in trouble. Uh, Damian Lillard was injured in you know towards the end of that series um, of the Blazers, and so then they get to the conference finals, and it's you know it's it's a runaway versus a very exhausted Nugget squad. But if if he can win this series, or excuse me, win this finals, and then improve to what four and six in the finals, where do you put him in the status of legendary? Is he there? It's ten NBA Finals appearances. I still have the goat six and zero. Oh. That's, that still stands out to me above anything else. But uh, you have well, LeBron would be legendary, uh, but I would put individually, I would put Michael Jordan ahead of him. Michael Jordan never played in a Game 7. 
Michael Jordan, every time he went to the finals, he won. Uh, he won three straight, and then he left, and then he came back and won three straight. That's amazing, too. LeBron's never done that. Um, LeBron never, it, yeah. The, the, Michael Jordan did not play with a host of Hall of Famers like LeBron has. So I, I think that LeBron, uh, and that's, it's hard because LeBron has done some amazing things. Look, three different teams of the NBA Finals. I mean, it's a amazing career of what he's been able to do. And by the way, Eric, those three teams that he played for after they left, they never touched their conference finals after that. Think about it. Like, yeah, that's he, true. After he, he, he left, they were garbage teams. They were in the playoffs and went to the finals. They were crap after that. Miami Heat, he went there. They went to four straight finals, left. They didn't touch the conference finals after that for quite some time. Uh, and then, in fact, ever since LeBron James left, they hadn't touched conference finals until now. And then uh, back with Cleveland, went to the NBA Finals. They and four what three four three NBA Finals again. They didn't touch the final, and they will never touch the Eastern Conference Finals after this. Uh, and then with the Lakers, we'll see what happens. But you know, it's it's incredible what LeBron has done. But as you said, I mean, three and six is that and that is nine Finals appearances, absolutely. And now it's gonna. I mean, I guess it's ten now, based on whatever happens. But uh, you're six and zero. Oh. You beat the likes of Magic Johnson and James Worthy in, in the first one. You beat Clyde Drexler, Cliff Robinson, and uh, you know a tough Blazer squad. You beat the Charles Barkley in the Suns, a hot f- offense in the Phoenix Suns. And you what Peyton and Kemp in the Sonics, Jazz twice. Like that's that's incredible. And you never saw a game seven. And by the way, you were never swept out of the finals either, which Kobe was. I uh, actually wasn't swept. Honey. He lost four games to one, but yeah, yeah. I, I just it's hard to compare eras. It, it it's a real challenge. I mean, well, I mean it was it's more of a wide open league it. now. It's more of an offensive league. A lot more freedom of movement. Uh, Michael Jordan's era was much more physical. I mean, you could throw a guy to the ground and beat him up, and you just get pulled apart. <laughs> I mean, today you'd get suspended and. Find and you wouldn't see the court again for a while. Um, it, it's a much different league. Uh, it's a much more three-point shooting league. I mean, if somebody, if a team put up 10 three-point shots in a game, it was like, whoa, these guys are shooters. They're risky. <laughs> and now you got you know, one guy putting up 12 attempts in one game. So it, it's just a different era. But I think that what, what Michael Jordan did over his career is – it just set the bar really, really high. And I got to say this. Would we be all about LeBron being the GOAT this year if it weren't because of the dance that was released this spring? If we did not see the dance and were reminded of Michael Jordan's greatness, would we be all over and all about LeBron James as being the greatest of all time? Ten finals appearances. Look at what he's done. Three different franchises he's taken to the, to the NBA Finals in the Promised Land. But because we saw the dance and we were reminded of what Michael Jordan did and who he had to do it with, does that help us think more about Le- about Michael Jordan and remind us of how great he was and it kind of puts LeBron to the side just a little bit? No, because we've had this conversation ever since they, you know, LeBron took his team down 3-1 against the Warriors, 73-9 and Warriors, and brought them back to win a championship. Ever since that championship happened and was completed, 
there's been this conversation every single finals after that with LeBron James being involved in it. Every single one of them. So, uh, no, I mean, it started before that. Was it agitated and irritated and then uh, bumped up about 20 notches? You bet. Absolutely. And, I mean, there's there's for good reason why. Like, Michael Jordan, you know, the, the rumor was and the word was around the sports world is that uh, Michael Jordan planned for this thing to set in this season because he was sick of hearing about LeBron. And he was like, you know what, we're going to just uh, – we're going to interrupt this program for a daily reminder that Michael Jordan's still to go. And boom, there we were. And everyone's tweeting about Michael Jordan. And then there was this hot, I mean, hot debate. And because there was a pandemic, I almost blame the pandemic more than I blame the last dance. But because there was no sports, we had nothing else to talk about while the last dance was airing every single Sunday for two hours. And so then that'd be the Monday conversation is, hey, what did you learn today about Michael Jordan? And you realized that LeBron can't do. Or what is what did you realize about Michael Jordan that the kind of teammate he was that LeBron is? What is the differences? What is the similarities? And that's just I mean it just egged it on even more, right? We had no sports. Yeah, I, I think that if if we didn't have the dance, I, I think that there would still be arguments going on back and forth about who is greater, Michael Jordan or LeBron James. But I think because of the dance, because we saw that, because we had nothing else to watch in the springtime. I think that it makes people who who lean more towards Michael Jordan gives them more uh, credence. Uh, it gives them more firepower and more conviction in their belief about Michael Jordan. If if it was just another regular season and LeBron James did this and there weren't all these interruptions and whatnot, I I could. Definitely see how there would be people saying, "No, look, we gotta, we gotta be leaning more to LeBron now," but because we were reminded of what Michael Jordan did and how he did it and who he had to do it with and who he had to do it against, um, I, I think that that for me, I I continue to still put Michael Jordan ahead of LeBron James. So here's a real debate question: Kobe or LeBron? Oh, LeBron, easily. Drugs? No, I, I give I give Kobe credit for what he did with with being with one team and sticking with it. And there were great dynamics change while he was there and had to do it with a lot of different personnel over time. But LeBron went, has gone to ten NBA Finals. He's done it with three different teams. With uh, he had to do some against some pretty good teams too. But I I would still lean more towards LeBron. LeBron was the guy on all of those teams. He was still the main guy on each of those teams when he went to the NBA Finals. But he had Dwayne Wade Kobe and Chris Bosh. Kobe had, was a sidekick for the first couple of them. Was he the sidekick? Yes. Because I remember Shaq fouling out in that, in that pivotal game, what, five? Or game four of the NBA Finals? And Kobe had to go out and save their butt with a 45-plus point performance. Kobe was not the sidekick. It's just that Shaq was the bigger figure, and that's what everyone decided, is that Shaq is the man. Nah, Kobe was. Kobe was the guy that when they needed a clutch bucket, they weren't going to Shaq in the post. They were giving the ball to Kobe, get the hell out of the way, and then let me you know, create and then well, knock down a clutch jumper. Kobe definitely proved that in the second set of times that the L.A. went to the, uh, the finals. But in the first set, they, they were side by side. He was a, and sometimes he was the sidekick. It was more Shaq than Kobe. Okay, so LeBron and Dwayne Wade were the sidekick then. I mean, so LeBron's the sidekick to Dwayne Wade. 
No, Dwayne Wade was the sidekick to LeBron James. I would no. Nah, Dwayne Wade was the guy for the Heat in those in that first. I'm saying we'll say the first finals. Dwayne Wade was the guy because LeBron was hiding in the corner for the last two quarters for games three, four, and five. I mean, if he even appeared. I mean, and Kobe was an uh, Kobe was an assassin on the court. LeBron was not. LeBron never had that killer instinct. He had to defer to guys like Kyrie Irving. He deferred to Anthony Davis last night. He deferred to um, what, Kevin Love. I just when it LeBron never has that mentality. Kobe did back in the day. Kobe was an absolute assassin. That when his team couldn't get the job done, he would do the job for them. And not to make, well, I don't want to take no. I, I can't take that away from Kobe. He definitely had a killer instinct. He was an assassin. He was clutch, perhaps more so than anyone besides Michael Jordan. Um, but you you can pick apart individual games here and there. Uh, but I think that when you look at a series and how the season played out, LeBron James was the guy, and Dwayne Wade was a sidekick or right next to him, side by side. They were a duo. But I would still put LeBron as ahead of Dwayne Wade when he was on that team. And LeBron had so much more help than Kobe did. So much more help. I was unreal. God bless his soul. All right, uh, let's go to break. Coming back, we'll uh, get back to some MLB playoff stuff. We'll get into the Mountain West Conference full of uh, nitty-gritty details. Well, and a big announcement in the NBA with coaching, too. Uh, yeah, that's right. Got to discuss uh, that. Doc Rivers didn't stay that didn't unemployed last long. in long. and. What other jobs are open and what other coaches are available? Home for the full court press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Derek France and Andre Salveson on 106.9 The Fan. If you're streaming on 106.9thefan.com, thanks for doing so. Great to have you. Uh, just a couple minutes left in our show. Uh, Doc Rivers was uh, let go by the Clippers. And a mutual parting of ways. I don't know how mutual it was. It's how it's been you. built. Yeah, I don't know how much mutual it was. Uh, he has now officially been picked up by the Sixers. He watched game one with the head brass over there, and they shared a uh, bucket of popcorn and a steak and then uh, and a Diet Coke, and then he walked off and he said, I'll see you tomorrow, and uh, we'll sign some papers and cash me a check. Honestly, this makes a lot of sense for me to see really? Doc Rivers go to Philadelphia. He's a celebrity coach. He's got celebrity players. Um, I don't know that it's going to work out, but it <laughs> makes sense that that would be the direction he would go. Based on the the coaching vacancies now, what are, what's still open? Uh, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. Houston. Houston. New Orleans. Yep. That's it, right? I feel like we're missing one more. Because the Bulls hired... Uh, the Clippers don't have a feeling yet. No, I, I guess But that's I guess Tyrone Lue looks like he might be that guy. Because, um, uh, yeah, we don't know where Mike D'Antoni is going to go. Uh, we don't. We still don't know what's going to happen in New Orleans. We still don't know what's going to happen in Oklahoma City. So uh, it makes sense to me. That seemed like the most natural place for him to go. I think Mike D'Antoni, if he's going to go somewhere... Probably more likely New Orleans, be my guess. Okay, so here's the problem, though, is that when he went with the Clippers, they couldn't get past, you know, 
the second round. And now here he goes to the Sixers who can't get past the second round. And by the way, you have this issue between Simmons and Embiid. How severe it is, we don't know. Uh, there's just a lot of question marks around the squad. Makes me wonder if they're going to have any more success than where they're at right now. Clippers will be a, a tough team. I think they'll play hard during the regular season, but they'll be a team that struggles to make adjustments in the postseason. All right. Gonna... <laughs> That's the Doc Rivers <laughs> recipe every time. We'll take a break. We'll get you ready for the second hour. More Mountain West Conference football talk coming up. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The Lakers fell behind by 13 early to the Miami Heat last night in Game 1 of the NBA Finals, and it certainly looked like the beginnings of a classic series. But then L.A. turned out to be L.A., and it wasn't pretty for the Heat. The Lakers making a statement, a blowout win. They were bigger, better, tougher, and that's saying a lot because this Miami team has been through a lot already. Now the Heat face a challenge to make this series competitive. They played poorly and had to deal with multiple health issues. But maybe the biggest issue could be confidence. This was a young Miami team that got more and more swagger as the Eastern Conference playoffs went on. But the way the Lakers came out after the first quarter and hit them with a few haymakers might cause that confidence to wane a little bit. This year's playoffs have been unpredictable, so we shouldn't jump to too many conclusions after one game. But it's hard to feel confident this series will last a whole lot longer than four games the way the Lakers looked last night. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.